listen in the reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You listen in the reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Why? Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Up. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America make great. America uh, great. You're tuned in to Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to Reset Race. You'll find out we really done justice and really who we On the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Penny Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redline and lynchings, we are old from this nation. Not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG, the wise one, cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country, the way you need our energy. Go on, see. Listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to reset race. Adults need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in the reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in the reset race. You'll find out we really about justice and really who we uh, 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 So, all right, let's get this bad boy started. So, I'm just going to say, so, welcome to Reset Race. MG is not here because it is on a Sunday, and Sunday is his lovely wife and family day and I respect it and we love them very much and I love his wife very much. So today we have uh, everybody else, all the rest of the culprits are here. So we have a couple of guests. We're going to start with ladies first, which would be Patty. And after Patty, we'll introduce Gabe. So welcome because this is Patty's first time on the Reset Race Show. And Gabriel, this is not your first time, but I don't think we've actually edited and released that damn episode that you were in yet. <laughs> With uh, Steven Spielberg. Right. Baby Steven Spielberg. Yeah, edit that. Make sure you edit that because it got a little, you know, you know, you know. That got hot. That should be a premium. The, the uncut of that should be like, hmm. Yeah, you got to pay for that. You got to pay to see that. You got to sign some things, I think, too. You got to sign one or two things. Is that pay-per-view? Is that one pay-per-view? Right. That's like the old, back in the old days with cable, you'd have to pay that extra money. Yeah, that's PPV. That's like getting WrestleMania or something like that. In 1999. And now, WrestleMania 15. All right, Gabe, go ahead and introduce yourself. And since we have a small crew, you can actually flesh it out. Okay. Hey, everybody. From Chicago, my name is Gabriel Pignanomi, a reparationist, first and foremost. I'm the founder and president of the Italian-American Heritage Society of Chicago, a pro-reparationist ally operation of Italian-Americans. Ben 
been doing a, another crazy project of Sam's, uh, John Brown leftists. So if if you've seen those, you've seen me. If you haven't, you should look. They're they're worth looking at. I think. Um, long long time fan of of Reset Race and and all of the work, Actify, all of the good work that's done here. And excited to have this conversation. This is a real. This is one of those conversations that gets overlooked sometimes um, that we're going to have today. But is it, at the very heart of day to day life for so many people. Just thinking about not only the experience, but knowing, especially when your loved ones are out there, um, knowing that this is something that could happen at any time. You just know it on any given day. Uh, there could be an encounter, and that encounter. Uh, too often ends up you muted yourself before you finished talking oh well i I guess i cut myself off i'm like that's enough i'm gonna keep going and i'm very happy to be here well we're really happy to have you (laughs) thank you all righty and then i think i went backwards so patty right i'm sorry i meant to go the other way well you can edit us (laughs) right (laughs) but i threw it to you so so, well, so it's all good, though. We're all family here yes. anyways. Go ahead. Yes. So I'm a guest today, Patty Pamela from Vermont. Um, I'm a newbie reparationist is what I've been calling myself. And the issue of the police is I find it frequently. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So I hope we can do something about black people being killed like this. And this article really spells out that it's just even to um, fill the coffers of the government. So it's, I mean, come on, it's not right. Mm-hmm. All righty then, go ahead, Mud. Yeah, John Mud. Um, they call me Mud. Uh, you can find me on my social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, all um, of lineage. Um, I'm also the creator of Bitter Dose TV. Um, I look forward to getting on with the show. Let's do it. All hail King Killmonger. Yeah, yeah. Good afternoon, everyone. It's your guy, King Killmonger, a.k.a. Joey. Um, let's see, uh, Black American superhero, leader of the resistance, here to uh, commune with my fellow Americans, get y'all back on track. Let's get to it. And last but not least, our dearest John C. What's up, everybody? Uh, My name is John C. I am an average American Negro. Um, Oftentimes, I still wonder why I'm still here, but I am here, and I'm always happy to be here. We got some guests. They're white people, but they ride hard reparations. Happy that they're here, too. You know, good allies with us. We thought we was going to have more white people. That's why I got nervous. I was going to log off, but we only got two, so I stayed on. We only got two. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm, everybody relax. Everybody relax. I'm happy to be here. Make sure you check out Bit of Those TV. Make sure you check out the John Brown Leftist. You can listen to the Penny Estate, listen to that. Whatever Khaleesi doing, Joey doing, whatever they doing, make sure you check us out on Reset Race on the channel. And I'm always, always happy to be about that. So let's do it. And everybody, please check out Critical Justice, the Marcel for Congress. We placed yes. Jim, James Clyburn video. It was a really good video. Um, we're hoping over time we can get more candidates who are, you know, pro reparations to be on the show. And, you know, but that's going to be slow and steady because we're not just going to let you on our show because you say you're pro reparations. Like, 
how you conduct yourself and how you deal with the community is of utmost importance. Because if you'll talk greasy to the community before you get elected, you'll really be talking greasy once you do. So the reason why we are doing these articles today is because I remember when this Twitter thread came out. And you guys remember, I sent it, I put it in our John Brown leftist Twitter, you know, uh, group chat, and I was disturbed by it. We all were. And what I'm really disturbed by is I didn't see anybody really do any articles, any shows. I didn't see a lot being talked about this. So I think over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through this thread article by article because this needs to be talked about. And this, we just, if I'm just not seeing anybody else talk about it. So we have media, we are our own media. So we going to talk about it. So let's go ahead and get started. Gabe, if you can pull up the, um, pull up the article and read for me, because my laptop is going through changes. Actually, Patricia, can you read for me? Where do we start? Officers trained to presume danger have reacted with outsized aggression. For hundreds of unarmed drivers, the consequences have been fatal. Open the door now, you're going to get shot. An officer in Rock Falls, Illinois, shouted at Nathaniel Edwards after a car chase. Do not move, get ahead! Do not move! You got him? Got him. Get out of the car! Open the door! out the window now or you'll be shot, yelled a policeman in Bakersfield, California, as Marvin Urbina wrestled with inflated airbags after a pursuit ended in a crash. We begin here at 5 o'clock with new details from Sunday night's deadly officer-involved shooting near the outlets at Tejon. A 19-year-old man was killed and a busy on-ramp shut down. 17's Aton Wallace was right there after it happened and he joins us now with the latest. Aton? Well, KCSO tells us CHP tried to pull over Marvin Alexis Urbina for reckless driving, but he took off, leading authorities on a brief pursuit, and now KCSO is telling us what happened moments before he was shot. I'm going to shoot you. What part of that don't you understand, threatened an officer in Little Rock, Arkansas, adding a profanity as she tried to pry James Hartsfield from his car. James Hartsfield would have turned 30 years old today. Well, instead, his family filed a lawsuit against the city of Little Rock and the officer who killed him in 2017. THV 11's David Lippman shows us why they believe his death was part of a long, disturbing trend. The police officers who issued these warnings had stopped the motorists for common offenses, swerving across double yellow lines, speeding recklessly, carrying an open beer bottle. None of the men were armed. Yet within moments of pulling them over, officers fatally shot all three. The deaths are among a series of seemingly avoidable killings across the United States. Over the past five years, a New York Times investigation found police officers have killed more than 400 drivers or passengers who are not wielding a gun or a knife or under pursuit for violent crime, a rate of, one, of more than one a week. Most of the officers did so with impunity. Only five have been convicted of crimes in those killings, according to our view of the publicity recorded cases. 
Yet lo local governments paid at least $125 million to resolve about 40 wrongful death lawsuits and other claims. Many stops began with common traffic violations like broken taillights or running a red light. Relative to the population, black drivers were overrepresented over among the, those killed. <laughs> the recurrence of such cases and the rarity of convictions both follow from an overstatement ingrained in court precedents and police culture of the danger that vehicle stops pose to officers, claiming a sense of mortal peril, whether genuine in the moment or only asserted later, has often shielded officers from accountability for using deadly force. We get into what I would call anticipatory killing, said Sim Gill, the district attorney for Salt Lake County, Utah. We can't give carte blanche to that. Okay, here's Whenever any kind of encounter between law enforcement and citizens ends in a loss of life, it is highly regrettable. When that loss of life is avoidable, it becomes more so. But where the legal standard for justification on the use of force is met, criminal prosecution is not an available remedy to address it. Um, Sedalia, Montana, 2020. Hannah Fitzer, 25, was shot by an officer who pulled her over for speeding. The officer claimed she had said she had a gun, but none was found. Were you concerned to hear this morning that she did not have a gun, as initially believed? Um. So I'm uh, taking the information as it comes through. Um, I did not know whether uh, there was a, a gun in the vehicle or not. Uh, so I was uh, assuming or was expecting a report either way. So um, it has not uh, changed my outlook in regards to this. It's an additional piece of information uh, that obviously the investigators use. Uh, they need to use that to be able to determine whether this was a justifiable use of force. So the deputy was, um, has been an employee with the sheriff's office since 2007, and we've had no use of force complaints uh, from that with that deputy. Yeah, we do not have body cameras, nor do we have uh, in-car video. Yeah, we do not have body cameras, nor do we have uh, in-car video. Um, uh, about three years ago, we did have, however, there were technical difficulties. Uh, we had data failure, and we also had problems with the devices, and those devices have not been replaced. How long have you had those devices for at that point? They... At that point in time, those devices have been in operation, I believe, about a year. Let's, let's just take a little moment right there. Let's take a, like, a little breathe there. So just let's just go back. Like, if you think about what you know what patty was just saying like these are not these are not crimes that are punishable by death but they are getting a death sentence just through the fact of them being black in their interactions with the police mm -hmm. like does anybody have anything else like any more on that because like that that's a lot when you think about it it's just that's it that's the only reason why i mean i think that 
I hate to say this, this has kind of been normalized to like to a point where none of us are even shocked by this anymore. Like we just kind of expect it. Mm-hmm. You become desensitized to black death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do you get pulled over for having an open beer bottle? How did they see it? Mm-hmm. It's just you, uh, it is what it you is. Was, like, you was swinging it out the window and like it licensed the drive when the drunk stole the car. Yeah, <laughs> 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 the police. Yeah, the police been harassing me since I hit puberty. Like, like it's kind of like like Mud said. It is normalized. Not only is it normalized in society, but we kind of just like black, like you know, everybody has the quote unquote talk. Like, I mean, like this is a real talk. Like, my mom had to have this talk with me, and I was twelve years old. Like, well, you're getting kind of big now. I'm twelve years old. Like, you're getting kind of big. So, police, you know, like just chill out because they, you know, I'm like, what? Like, they might they gonna hurt me? What the fuck? But like getting like getting harassed by the police, like it's just something that it's like it's just like a normal thing. Even though it's like they really violate our rights as citizens and our human rights all the time and it's like acceptable like so like yeah police you know police been harassing me for years <laughs> it's, it's, and i kind of like i kind of just kind of accepted like oh well you know it's, it's police like what you gonna do white black but I, I usually have you know better encounters with black police but they still they still you know the black police that's really on that shit they really be on some bullshit so i mean it's just it's fucked up but you know it's just how it is man. just how it is anybody else you know, I feel like this is the beginning of, or one good at entry point for the conversation about why reform isn't really an option for the, you know, for the police in the United States. That this is not, every cop does this. The number of cops who don't pull black folks over for no reason is, is tiny. And that's the same number, you know, maybe 5% or something. Um, and that's the same number who maybe wouldn't, you know, maybe aren't racist, maybe would be part of like a better police department or whatever. But the problem is you got 90 to 95% that you would do what with in a reform scenario. And I feel like, so you can't, I mean, because these are, you don't know who is going to commit murder in this context. We had a, a, a few summers ago, we had a young man murdered on 71st street here, a barber who had a, he had a, a license, um, he, he had a gun with a license to carry, but not a license to use or however that works. But anyway, he had paperwork that showed that he was in the process of, um, you know, legitimately having th- this weapon. And he was shot by a rookie, shot and killed. No, nothing happened to her. It, it was like a big deal for a minute. And then everyone went on with their lives um, because he had a gun. And so that's enough. Right. That's it. That's enough to, to commit murder. He was doing nothing but walking down the street and the cop just stopped him to stop him. And and so you can't fix this kind of a system. They're just going to stop. And, and I had uh, had a conversation uh, with, with Sam before we started today where I said, I hope we can also talk about it's not just in cars because the car thing is a problem, but it's literally just being in the in public and being black. Cops will just can stop you for no reason at all, and that's not a problem. And you can't fix that. You can't fix that. We we can definitely we can actually move into that right now, Gabe. 
Like it doesn't like my doesn't remind me of those old school like loitering laws and stuff after slavery when they would find like any yeah. way to like pull us back into pinnage or yeah. into bondage. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that. I mean I mean the game has not changed. It's it's been the same thing since the end of slavery. Um they criminalize us through media and then like everyone gets desensitized and think that we're, we're supposed to have our rights violated. Like, I mean, even amongst ourselves, we kind of, we kind of accept that the police are going to like, they're not going to give a fuck about our second amendment rights. They're not going to give a fuck about any of this stuff. Like I know people like they, they, they're, they're legal um, as far as like being able to carry guns, but they don't want to tell the police that if they get stopped. Because I mean, it's the same shit that happened to Philando Castile. Like it's, yep. I mean, it's just a fucked up situation. And and like I know this probably is going to go into deeper stuff that you know I probably shouldn't even get into. But like we we already know, like the Justice Department, you know, found white supremacists and all these, and policing all over the the nation, and it, that kind of just went away. Like it was reported. And nothing was done about it. And no one even says anything about this being a problem. Even to this day, when we're still seeing, you know, black people being murdered by the police. And like, I don't know, it's like all the dots connect, but no one really wants to say it. That's right. I, so we, you know, we did. So, so here we covered the what was that number 20,000 it was in the tens of thousands of of misreported basically hidden police uh lethal police encounters um I, they might have all been shooting we're covering this now we you know there are these other the loitering thing is a big deal they've tried three times in the last 20 years in chicago to reinstitute that basically you know making it a crime to be black and standing on a street corner where they just can lo- they can just prosecute you know, people for loitering, and then the numbers always, you know, it, it exists for about a month before the ACLU gets it struck down, and you see by the numbers who they were going after, and it's always the same people. The pieces fit together. It's the same system. The system will not change. It has the same function, and that's just beyond, you know, it, it goes straight to the heart of um, the, the lie that people live with, that this is a, um, you know, a fair system the policing system is exists to police one group of people. Everything else it does is just extra stuff that's happened along the way. But what it does overwhelmingly is police, incarcerate, and imprison one group of people. Gabe, you right, but my bad, my bad, my bad, go ahead. Now you got it, John, go ahead. No, nah, I mean, nah, 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 he's, absolutely, he's absolutely right. It's just like, like this whole, like, like I'm saying, I've really been being harassed by the police since I was like 12 years old. I've never been in jail or prison. I always worked, went to school. You know, like I don't have a criminal record, but they treat me like a criminal, straight up. Like me and Mud had talks about this, like because Mud was talking about, because he fled in Minnesota, so around the time Flannel Cast still got killed. Mud was, you know what I mean? He had interactions with the police, but he was kind of hostile towards him, like, you know? And it's like the same thing. Like I remember I got pulled over by the police getting off work one day. And um, just around the time Mike Brown got killed, 
and me and my friend got off of work. You know, went to the ATM. Police <laughs> followed us. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, police go. I already know what time it is. And when the police pull behind me, I'm like, they're gonna be like, everything good? Like everything good in the car? Like, that's the conversation we have. Like Negroes is having like everything good though. Like I mean, you got you got insurance. Like yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good. Like we gonna get pulled over. We gonna get whooped. They might hit us with a bullshit seatbelt ticket. Like whatever for no reason. Whatever. They pull us over, and then other cops come and they all draw their guns out on us and say that we fit the description of uh black males doing strong arm robberies. And like they was gonna kill us. Like you would have sneezed or anything like that. Like I would have been, they would have shot, they definitely would have shot us. And then after that, oh no, nah, that's not y'all. They had the lady in the back seat. That lady would have been like, that's them. It would my life would have been completely different. Like, for no reason. Like, that's real. That really happened. Like, you know, and it's like, but it's, you kind of just like, oh, they ain't kill me. I'm good. You know what I mean? Or police but beating you up. Oh, well, you know, like, I mean, I ain't dead. They beat you up, you know, you good. And it's like, this is so wrong. Like, and it does stem from slavery. It does stem from Jim Crow. It does stem from black codes. Like, you know, people not seeing the through line through this shit. But, you know, it's just, you know, I think talking about it, bringing awareness to it is the first step. But, like, you know, other steps got to be taken. We definitely need reparations, though, because reparations is protection. It, like, it gives you wealth and power. Like, you know, like, you, when you go to, like, a community that's a solid, big, like, that's not a poor, rundown community, it's like, you know, a community of people that have, like, a, a certain level of financial stability, the police can't message you like that because you have oversee. You know what I mean? Your community has money, so you can you have a way to kind of oversee the police. But when you poor, you know what I mean? Or when you like, and when you black, even middle class. I mean, it's a racial. It's not just like it's a racial and class thing, but it's deeply, deeply racial. So like that's you know that's that's all I got on that shit. My bad, Joey. You in Detroit, so I know Joey fucking with the police. He got dreads. I know police been fucking with Joey his whole life, bro. No bullshit, like it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Ever since middle school with the gang squad shit. Oh, you got the wrong color shirt on? Okay, well, gang squad gonna beat your ass today. It was that kind of situation. But um, what I wanted to ask though is like, when do black people get to fear for their lives? Like cops always have this excuse of, well, I didn't know what that person had on them. They could have had anything. But like as a black person in a car, like I know for a fact that the person approaching my car has a gun and the willingness to shoot me in the face. So when do I get to say I feared for my life? That motherfucker might have been racist. That's right. No, it's a good question. And I do think it connects to what John was saying about reparation. We wouldn't have this problem if black folks had enough money to sue every time this happened because we're bankrupt. Black people would own every city in the country. They would literally, they would all be bankrupt because there are so many, the, um, the hundreds of millions of dollars in Chicago that we've paid over the last 20, 30 years for these civil suits is broke folks getting some help with, you know, some nonprofit, you know, civil liberties type lawyer. Imagine if people could hire, you know, the best lawyers, which is what you deserve for something that's horrible and take it to the end of the conversation, which is a hundred million dollars for one life lost, which is more appropriate, it would end, it would come to an end. I agree. I agree. Like I said, you know, I've, you know, I grew up in a white, I grew up in a white suburb, at least at that time, it was a white suburb. Now it is a Latino suburb. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it was just different. Like even my mom worked at the police station, but like, I don't remember seeing cops like moving up and through the blocks and stuff. Like if you saw a cop, you're on a major street. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, 
And if the cops in your neighborhood, something went down, like somebody called them. It wasn't just like they were just rolling around. So I definitely understand like, yeah, no, it's different when you live in white suburbs, you know, and then like, you know, my friends, you know, uh, when I was a teenager, all my friends, I worked at Universal Studios. So most of my friends lived in the Hollywood Hills and stuff like that around those areas. You don't see no bunch of cops around there. Like I said, if you see the cops, somebody call them. Like most of the time. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a whole different kind of feeling you know way of having things it's just different so yeah because you can't you can't sit around and harass people like that because you might be harassing somebody's you know somebody's kid somebody's cousin and then you got to answer for that shit like the reason why they go and pick on the poor black people is because nobody's calling city hall from their family and know nobody that's crazy like i literally watched them hunt people like, like, if you cross certain streets, like, with a messed up car or something, like, you know you're mm-hmm. getting pulled over. That's why the whole, like, we don't cross eight mile after a certain time. That's where that comes from, because, you know, if your car love busted, cops is getting you. They're going to assume Man. you don't have insurance, and you're going to jail tonight. And the opposite yeah. is true. I was okay. just going to say, Sam, grow, growing up, you know, my dad told me, you can, if you're in a black neighborhood, you can run lights. You can do whatever you need to do to get out of the neighborhood quickly because a cop will never stop you as a white mm. person in a black neighborhood. So it's like literally the opposite kind of wow. uh, rules of engagement. The crazy part about that, the crazy, my bad, but the crazy part about that no, is that ahead. like, now, because now nah, since like when the police, like, because in New Jersey, like, like where I'm from in North Jersey, like, it's like at one point in time, it's like, you know, police had to stop not following you when you get to a certain city, like, so it's like, so say you in the white city, the you know the police just really be stalking you. Like this is really, this is this shit is crazy because it really happened. Like the police really will follow you, like kind of quote unquote escort you out the city, or, or they feel like they're gonna whoop you. You trying to drive normal, but get to a black city. That's some where, that's some sundown town shit. But really trying that's to get a fact, to a, though. You're trying to get to a black city, like you really like ah, but when you get to the point, you might get you like ah, you trying to they might ex, they might escort you out the neighborhood, just follow you. Just you feel me? Make a left, make a left. This is what you do. This is the test. Like you drive, then like, oh shit, police behind us. Like, ah, oh, that's fine, whatever. We good. Make a left. Boop, they make it left. Oh shit. All right. I'm gonna make one more turn. They make another turn. You it's two turns. You make two turns, the police follow me. Then it's like, oh shit, I your heart beating. <laughs> you like, yo, I'm trying to get back to the black place. Like, I'm trying to get out of I don't I don't try to get out of here. Because you're like, you don't wanna, and it's like mud, like like what mud said is so normalized. And what Gabe was saying too, like. He's like, that's crazy that you said your dad was like, you know, black neighborhoods, you basically could do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you know what I mean? Like driving wise, like, you know, it's a black neighborhood, you white, they're not gonna, you know, they they, they think that you scared for your life because you're in a black neighborhood. <laughs> like this shit is fucking it is like they're there to protect you. Like they're not there to protect the people in the neighborhood. It's the I mean, the patterns are just you can't this isn't a system that we can reform. That you can't we can't live like that and live together. Yeah, 100%, 100%. That part right there. That part right there. We can't live like this and live together. And like, that's another thing that I feel like a lot of white people don't understand. Like, they don't even understand the Black experience. And they let's go even further. Like, suburban people don't understand the inner city Black experience when it comes to the police. And in the South, too, the police just in general. Like, 
if you've never encountered that type of occupation, you don't know what it feels like until you live through it. When you live through it, it's it's, it's very eye opening. It's crazy. I was having a conversation uh, with one of my white friends at work, and he's a poor white. <laughs> you like, like, bro couldn't put on a suit and go live in whites. He ain't one of them. He like his mouth kind of messed up from the meth. It, it's a bad situation. So, mm-hmm. but even he looks <laughs> at the cops like like they're a positive institution. And I was trying to explain like American police are just bad. Like if you compare them to anywhere else in the world, like they kill a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. And he just, it could, I couldn't cr- break through to him that like the police were not a positive institution. Even though like they cracked down on him and his little meth junkies and stuff. It's just, it's horrible. <laughs> like he's just so convinced that like, I guess he had an uncle or something that was a cop and that's all they took. Yeah. Like the cops should just have a hard job. That, that's pretty much all he gave me. Like I said, it's, it's just, it's a lot. The reason why they feel that way is because they have a different experience with the police. My interactions with the police in the suburbs is very different than my interactions with the police in the inner city. It's just different. We got anything else or do we want to go back to the article? Gabe, you want to see if you, you've been pretty clear, you want to do some reading? In case after case, officers said they had feared for their lives. And in case after case, prosecutors declared the killings of unarmed motorists legally justifiable. But the Times reviewed video and audio recordings, prosecutor statements and court documents, finding patterns of questionable police conduct that went beyond recent high profile deaths of unarmed drivers. Evidence often contradicted the accounts of law enforcement officers. Dozens of encounters appeared to turn on what criminologists describe as officer-created jeopardy. Officers regularly and unnecessarily place themselves in danger by standing in front of fleeing vehicles or reaching inside car windows, then fired their weapons in what they later said was self-defense. Frequently, officers also appeared to exaggerate the threat. In many cases, local police officers, state troopers, or sheriff's deputies responded with outsized aggression to disrespect or disobedience, a driver talking back, revving an engine, or refusing to get out of a car, what officers sometimes call contempt of cop. In dashboard and body camera footage, officers could be seen shooting at cars driving away or threatening deadly force in their first words to motorists or surrounding sleeping drivers with a ring of gun barrels, then shooting them when, startled awake, they tried to take off. More than three quarters of the unarmed motorists were killed while attempting to flee. More than three quarters of the unarmed motorists were killed while attempting to flee. We've got to take them out, an Oklahoma state trooper declared over the radio in 2019 to patrolmen chasing a man and McAllister suspected of shoplifting a bottle of vodka. The officers used their cars to force his SUV from the road, opened a door as it rolled slowly past and shot from both sides, killing the driver, killing the driver, dash cam footage shows. A Tennessee sheriff ordered his deputies to fire at a motorist with a suspended license in 2017. Don't ram him, shoot him, he later recounted, saying, ordering, according to a body camera recording, knocking the man off the highway might tear my cars up. Struggling to subdue a driver a few months later, a patrolman in Mondridge, Kansas, warned that the man might be reaching for a police sidearm. An officer shot him. Another struck his head with the butt of a shotgun and the third pummeled his body with a baton, killing him though he never touched the gun, video records show. 
And last year, a body camera recorded an officer in La Cruces, New Mexico, warning a motorist that he would choke you out, bro, then pinning him in a headlock. A good little scrap, the officer called it, before realizing the man had died. Some families of the drivers said that their relatives were not blameless. I don't have my head buried in the sand, said Deborah Lilly, whose 29-year-old son, Tyler Hayes, had drugs in his car and tried to run away when he was pulled over for tinted windows last year by a sheriff's deputy in Hamilton County, Texas, Tennessee. Sorry, I'm just saying he did not deserve to get shot in the back. Over the next three months, the deputy shot at two other unarmed drivers, wounding one. This is a weird paragraph to me. Some families of drivers said that their relatives were not blameless. Why would you even use that kind of language for being murdered because there are drugs in your car or you're, you know, you've got, you stole some vodka. Like that's, it's, that's a strange. And things that paragraph. are not capital offenses. None of these. Right. And, and who, where, you know, if we lived in the dystopia where stealing vodka was a capital offense, you still get a trial. Like it's, there's no situation where you say like, well, I mean, didn't your didn't your son have you know some amount of the blame for this when he was murdered? What? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. But anyway, um, I'm kind of as she's scrolling. I'm kind you know I continue to notice so far that this is a blind article, even though we know. I mean, there was the one reference that said that there it was disproportionately black folks, but there this the, the it continues to report without indicating the race of people which That's is on purpose right because yeah. we like to pretend like this is happening to everybody and everybody likes like oh well people of color but when you look at it like the people who are really in jail in high numbers are black people after that percentage wise for their percentage you move into native americans by the time you start getting the, even even latino numbers aren't the same as like black numbers so everybody right. likes to play this you know one box bubble but the numbers aren't bearing that out and we just need to be honest and stop lying especially if this conversation is about just being stopped by cops when there's no justification and then getting a disproportionate response this is murder and and so you know it makes sense to be a specifically a story about it but there are all proportionate response and when you put all of those in comes a very clear story of black folks being kept in check and there's some collateral kind of you know it's written to white folks and some other folks too but the main thing that's happening i mean the numbers are overwhelming is you you just driving around for your shift finding black folks to bother that's yeah. what in chicago that's what they're doing i mean that's i see it every single day and it's not just the driving, like we said before. It's like you can you can be walking down the street, you can be standing in front of a you know pharmacy waiting on your Uber. It's crazy. Well, I, I think that the part that kills me is that we have like a huge segment of our, our society that acts like they are totally against the tyranny of government. But when you bring up stuff like the police surrounding people who are asleep with barrels of guns as soon as they're startled awake they're shot like where the fuck are you at like regardless of the the, the race of the person that's being shot if you're saying you're against the tyranny of government this should be the shit you're pissed off about the most mm -hmm. right true yeah 
But more, you talking, basically you talking about these damn fucking right wingers. And then you know damn well we get smoked to everybody, left, right. <laughs> Anybody's anti-black could get it on this show. But some of these white conservatives, I mean, like they was like the government trying to take my money, the government trying to do this. But I love the police. I'm like, yeah, this is like a, a top government job. You love the police. I love the police. They protect fighting right. Like they're, like they're an extension of this very government that you claim to be that, that you came that you claim that these this part of the government like your government is exploiting you and stopping you from doing something. The police is the people that fight like, that's a function, the arm of the government that stops you from enjoying your rights, quote unquote. Like a direct, like direct arm of the government. Like, nah, but I love me some police though. Like it's a government job. Like that's like it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. The hypocrisy is crazy, but. Because if white people was getting killed by the police, man, you know, those MAGA people would have came up there, 8K, 8, AR-15s, all types of crazy shit came up there looking for some action. Like, but when niggas is getting killed, oh, he had it coming. He had it coming. I, he had a weed on his record. You know what well, I mean? Like, remember I, everybody, I seen him throwing up gang signs. Jan- what? what hey, John, remember during, John, you remember during January 6th when that uh, Capitol Police shot that white woman? who was yeah. literally trying to break into the chamber. And yeah. people were like, well, he didn't really have to shoot her. Yeah, they was like, yo, they have to She's shoot fully her. She's fully armed, breaking in. <laughs> That's crazy, because it is. They're talking about they're going to hang Mike Pence, the vice president <laughs> of the United States. It was she mad because she headbutted a bullet. Whatever. Everybody forgot about that. And like, I, I'm going to get out of here. I got one more thing to say. Everybody forgot that a white man blew up downtown Tennessee. I'm out. Everybody forgot. <laughs> he blew, he blew forget. that shit up. Everybody, everybody forgot. Yep. A white man just blew that shit up. And everybody like, it ain't never happened. He blew like a whole Hashtag city to lock up. Never forget. Everybody forgot. Hashtag Merry Christmas. Never forget. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back, uh, right back. back to the reading. All right. Almost all the officers involved in these cases declined to comment or could not be reached. Advocates for the police argue that the dangers of stopping cars require readiness to use deadly force. I have watched enough videos of an officer who is not on edge enough and his dash cam films his own death, said Larry James, general counsel of the National Fraternal Order of Police. What are you going to do? Are you going to be indicted or are you going to be buried? Traffic stops are by far the most common police encounter with civilians and officers have reason to be wary in their approach. They don't know who is inside a car or whether there are weapons. Ten officers have been killed this year in such interactions, including a Chicago officer who was shot in August by a passenger during a traffic stop for an expired registration. But some police chiefs and criminologists said that alarmist training about vehicle stops have made officers too quick to shoot at times, to shoot at times, resulting in needless killings as opposed to necessary killings. Academies and commanding officers often rely on misleading statistics, gory cop-killing videos, and simulated worst-case scenarios to instill hypervigilance. Many officers are trained to place a hand on the trunk of the car as they approach to leave fingerprints as evidence if ambushed by the driver. All you've heard are horror stories about what could happen, said Sarah Mooney, assistant police chief in West Palm Beach. It is very difficult to try to train that out of somebody. The overemphasis on danger has fostered tolerance for police misconduct at vehicle stops, some argue. Prosecutors and courts give more leeway to officers' decisions to use force at vehicle stops as a result of the exaggerated concern about the potential for officers getting hurt, said Michael Genico, a consultant to police departments on officer accountability and a former Justice Department prosecutor. Officers would likely kill fewer drivers if there were deterrence. 
Mm. Like, so this is one of the things that I, I still like. Uh, Friday Jones had this idea and she was talking about, uh, you know, like anything else, you have to have insurance, you have to get bonded. Like if, like, you know, if I want to go, if I want to go start a construction company, I have to get a bond. Like, so basically you have to be insurable, right? So they need to do that with the police officers, right? Everybody should have to be able to get an insurance policy and they would have to do risk assessment. And if you end up getting into a certain amount of incidents, you should be bounced because of the fact that you'll become uninsurable. I know, I know nurses, you have to, you know, barbershops. There's so many All kinds of people have insurance for liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell, they make you get apartment insurance. Like, you got to get renter's insurance these days. Like, come on. Use the police. Y'all got anything or do you want to keep going through the article some more? All right, let's keep going. Okay, the most dangerous thing. Three sheriff's deputies surrounded a beat-up Mercedes with a broken taillight in Clark County, Washington in February. The tools strewn across the passenger seat worried them immediately, they later told investigators. That right there can hurt someone, said Deputy Holly Troop. The driver's retort set off more alarms. You need to chill out, she recalled him parroting back to her. To help force him out of the car, Deputy Sean Boyle punched the driver in the nose. Deputy Troop get, grabbed him below the jaw in what she called the, in what she called pain compliance. But the driver, Genoa Donald, a 30-year-old mechanic who had autism and struggled with drug addiction, started the car with one hand and clutched Deputy Boyle's ballistic vest with the other, the officer later said. Now to a developing story that we've been following since Thursday night. We're learning more about the man shot by Clark County Sheriff's deputies Thursday night. He's been identified as 30-year-old Genoa Donald. Our Joe Ranieri joins us now. And Joe, the Sheriff's Office really isn't giving many details right now, but you do have the latest on his condition. Exactly right. Information is still pretty tight-lipped throughout the Vancouver Police Department, but Genoa Donald remains in hospital two nights after the shooting. His family is telling the Vancouver NAACP that he's on life support. Doctors are saying that there is little that they can do for the 30-year-old. The NAACP says the family is preparing for Donald's funeral, sharing this GoFundMe page, set up to help with the family's expenses. Deputy Boyle, though he had 70 pounds on the driver, told investigators he had feared he might be stuck half inside a moving car. I was convinced this is how you were going to die, he later told investigators. So he shot Mr. Donald in the head. Prosecutors questioned whether the stop would have ended differently if the officers had explained to the driver why they were ordering him to leave the car. But Deputy Boyle, with two decades on the job, had fired in good faith, the prosecutors concluded. Just the whole thing, like, in good faith. No, but it's just like in good faith, like why are, this is my thing. First of all, police academies are too short. Like it, you got to go to school forever to do like bullshit. You understand what I'm saying? Like this should be like a four or five year fucking process. Like you should know what yeah. lawyers know for you to be a police officer, to be a police officer. But the thing about it is they bounce you if you're too smart. Right. So that's a whole nother issue. There's a reason it's a culture. There's a reason that it is this way. If the people who are really smart have really good moral compasses, those are the people that they don't let in because they won't they won't follow, you know, their code. 
Right. And, and you know, even, even with that, um, whatever training they're getting now, I, I know a half a dozen cops who have told me when they got out of the academy and they got their first partner, the first thing they heard was, now we're going to show you how to really police. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole culture that's like the, the academy is bullshit. And that you have mm-hmm. to go through that to get here. But once you get here, we're going to show you the culture and the protocol that actually matters. Mm-hmm. Again, you can't fix this. It's like you can't you can't fix a whole national culture. What are you going to do? Send everyone to McDonald's and then rearrange everything and tell them so to funny. come back? It's like not doable. So Y'all got anything, Josiah, Mud, John? I know John said he was letting me check on his food. No, I'm good. Well, we know the Congress hasn't done a thing. You know. Because they don't care. We can't even get an they don't anti-lynching care, right. bill. Like, we can't get an anti-lynching bill. Like, Native Americans got a, uh, have gotten the protection orders. The Asians got the anti-Asian hate, bi- hate crime bill. And we're still out here getting murdered by vigilantes police we can't get nothing well i just want to clarify because they're going to be people that are going to be like uh the anti uh asian hate stuff that was in the covid stuff is not clear if you look at executive order 14031 it talks specifically about them um doing stuff for um to prevent anti-asian hate crimes and you know that whole thing specifically for that group all right, we can read some more. All right. I know from the academy that they they tell you traffic stops and DVs, domestic violence cases, are the most dangerous thing we'll do, Deputy Troop, a rookie, told investigators. I thought, this is why they tell us that. Some officers involved in fatalities at vehicle stops cite their training, which for decades has stressed the perils of those interactions. In many departments, police academy lessons and daily briefings include a steady diet of body-worn camera videos that depict easygoing officers being gunned down by drivers who whipped out over firearms. Seemingly every officer in America has watched the 1998 dash cam footage of Deputy Kyle Dinkeller's murder on the Georgia roadside where he pulled over a veteran with a semi-automatic rifle in his pickup. Roll call briefings often feature fresher reminders, like the images of an officer shot in March outside a Nashville store by a driver who kept a handgun in her purse. The violent and deadly confrontation from this traffic stop in 1998 tragically changed two Georgia families. Come on back here for me. A 22-year-old deputy pulls over a speeding truck, and the situation escalates fast. On dash cam video, the driver, Andrew Brannon, is heard shouting obscenities. Come here. Daring or asking the officer to shoot him and seen dancing. Brannon grabs a rifle, and during the deadly gunfight, Brannon is hit once in the stomach. Deputy Kyle Dinkeller, a husband and father, is struck nine times and dies. This was a brutal murder, and it was captured on videotape. But that tape also shows erratic, irrational behavior. 17 years after the crime, Atlanta attorney Joe Loveland is representing Brannon at his clemency hearing on Monday, one day before his scheduled execution. Loveland argues it is not right to execute a Vietnam veteran with a bronze medal and no prior record 
who was and is suffering from PTSD. Trainers and tactical guides typically emphasize that vehicle stops account for more killings of officers than almost any other type of interaction. Of the roughly 280 officers killed on duty since 2016, about 60 died, mostly by gunfire, at the hands of motorists who had been pulled over, a Times analysis showed. About 170 other officers died in accidents on the job. I'd like to see a breakdown of those accidents on the job. But the assertions about the heightened danger ignore the context. Vehicle stops far outnumber every other kind of police dealing with civilians. And in fact, because the police pull over so many cars and trucks, tens of millions each year, an officer's chances of being killed at any vehicle stop are less than one in 3.6 million, excluding accidents, two studies have shown. At stops for common traffic infractions, the odds are as low as one in 6.5 million, according to a 2019 study by Jordan Blair Woods, a law professor at the University of Arkansas. The faculty award for Scholar of the Year goes to Jordan Woods, terrific professor leading the Atkinson program. One of the pieces that uh, was the basis of the award is an article that uh, is just recently published in the Stanford Law Review called Traffic Without the Police. And uh, in my research, I've written a lot about uh, the harms of traffic stops and the over-policing that occurs in traffic stops, especially for uh, communities of color and other marginalized communities. And so this piece really asks the big question of can we envision a world of driving where police don't have the primary responsibility for enforcing traffic laws and what are the benefits for social justice and in particular uh, the benefits for communities that bear the brunt of over-policing during traffic stops today if we moved uh, our traffic regulation uh, in that direction. The risk is statistically negligible, but nonetheless, it is existentially amplified. Existentially amplified. Mr. Gill, look at you. Said Mr. Gill, the Salt Lake County District Attorney and an outspoken proponent of increased police accountability. State laws generally prohibit police officers from using lethal force unless they reasonably believe it is it necessary to prevent imminent death or serious injury. Under pressure from street protests over the 2014 killing of Michael Brown, an unarmed, an unarmed black teenager in Ferguson, Missouri, and the more recent Black Lives Matter marches, many police departments have made de-escalation their watchword. They often advise officers to defuse conflict with motorists, for example, by listening attentively instead of just barking orders. I am just gonna say this is a lie. Um, I don't know why they're printing that like it's it's the truth. Like cops, police departments across America are now de-escalating confrontations, that's a lie. The last thing I need to try to do is exert my authority. Like you're going to do what I tell you because I said so, said John Blum, a former police officer who now writes training manuals for police agencies and the International Association of Chiefs of Police. What the officer has to do is sell the person. Let me get back and here, the, I don't... Hold on, just one sec. See, the yes, fact sir. that they get away with these types of things is actually what leads to the vigilante murderers and like they have the exact same rhetoric. Well, I was in fear for my life. You know, I had to make a, I had to make a snap second decision. All of these things, it's the same thing from the McMichaels trial. It's the same thing from uh, Trayvon's murderer. Like all of these people, they all do the same exact thing. And this is why they won't separate themselves from the police because they aspire to that kind of power. 
I think it goes back to like all white men being deputized in the country, like uh, post Civil War. Yeah, this is and critically like, important. Yep, and everybody feels like they can just like at any given time they become like their local deputy, and they can just police black people. Yeah, like they believe in that so strongly. Like even like with the whole Ahmaud Arbery murder, they it was them who gave up the the tape. <laughs> you know. It was like, see, this is going to exonerate us. We did everything the police do. That's wild. That's wild. And I'm, but, I mean, in fact, you guys are talking about Mike Brown, and I just want to just spoke. I got so many situations with police. We could have a three-hour chat about how the police almost killed me and beat me up numerous times, harassed me. Come to, I get, I'm pulled over, not even driving, open the car door up illegally, things like that. But it's a situation that happened I want to talk about with. It was like I was working with, you know what I mean? Like, this is my dog. Like, he's Trinidadian black. First generation Trinidadian black. You know what I mean? Born here, though, everything like that. And uh, it was a situation where, like, I think his friend was getting arrested because he had a warrant, maybe for, like, weed or something like that. Something small. Police was doing the extra stuff in front of his house. He was in front of his house. Luckily, it was the daytime. His mom was out there and people was outside. So I kind of had to, I had to, I'm like, yo, listen, the police, when the police come to you, like, you gotta chill out, like, like you know, like you gotta chill. He was young though. I was, I was twenty four. I was young too, but I knew already. Like, you gotta chill. But like, essentially, he was like, nah. Like, he's like, he's talking to his friend. And the police was like, yo, shut up. He's like, what you mean, shut up? I'm, not, I'm in front of my house. I'm not shutting up. I'm just making sure my friend good. And they attempted to, you know, what I mean, arrest him, apprehend him for like, uh, you know, resisting arrest or whatever, like causing the scene, whatever, whatever it was. And he kind of fake resisted. And then uh, he went to the holding cell, and then. He went to a holding cell for like a night. He comes out. So I see him the next day. I see him like two days later at work. He's telling me like, this is around time. This is like right around the time Mike Brown got killed. And he was like, yo, I was in the holding cell and the police was saying like, yo, Mike Brown. They talking about Mike Brown. I, was like, I would have killed that. And I would have shot his ass. Black, white, all of them. Like, I would have killed that. And shot him right in his fucking head. Big ass. And like, he was like, what? I'm like, I try to tell you. Like, you lucky. Like, I'm like, yo, if you want, like, if nobody outside, it was two o'clock in the morning. The police would either beat your brains out. Or tried to, or they, they could have killed you and said anything. So he's like, yo, he was lying. I'm, like, I'm trying to tell you, bro. Like, that's just how it is, man. Like, you know? So, like, that Mike Brown situation, man, like, that's when, like, to me, that's when I was, like, in my mid 20s and I was like, the police is really killing people. There's coming people on, you know what I mean, on YouTube all the time. Before I used to be scared, like, the police are going to beat the shit out of you. Like, they probably will kill, they, they definitely will kill you, but it wasn't that visible. I'm like, no, the police is going to kill you. But the fact that he was in a holding cell and the police are openly talking about, like, I would have shot that dude. White dude shot that dude and shot his ass. Black cop would have like, yeah, shot that nigga too. What? He was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I tried to tell you. like, And that's a move that definitely comes from slavery, man. 110% it started from slavery. The police was formed to kind of police slaves and then grow into a big like, family of upholding the law, quote unquote, property rights and things like that. But that's where it comes from. Because it's real. It's serious. It's serious, man. Anybody else? Ooh, that was deep. Yep. Thank you, John. Yeah. Well, I even recall growing up, you know, hearing people talking about going out, beating people up on the weekends. So, yeah. you know, beat up black people or beat up gay people on the weekends. And that kind of ties into what you were saying about they feel they can do that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that in a long time, fortunately. It's sad. It's a shame. Like when I look back at it, I'm like, yo, police done violated my rights as a citizen. 
since I was a, like, you feel me, before I was an adult, so many years, like, I didn't even know. Police almost beat us up. Like, man, another story. One more story and I'm done with my story. One more story. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, so that's how, this is how many, like, unfavorable interactions I had with police growing up throughout my whole life. I'm 32 years old. So, like, in Negro years, I'm middle-aged. Like, I tell, <laughs> like, when you're 30 years old as a Negro, like, especially a black man, like, you middle-aged, like, you got to 65, yeah. age, like, you better stop. 30 years old is, like, 45 in Negro years. Like, it's like cat years. <laughs> Dog years, whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's sad. It's sad. But, at, you know, like, it was one time, though, 21, me and my friends were going to a party. You know, we was going to a party. We were trying to find parking outside of this club. He was in North, downtown North. We kept circling because the, it was no parking. So he, he circled the block a few times to find parking. And then uh, the police pulled up on us because we had to go through an alley to keep circling to see if we can get parking. And they pulled up in, behind us in the alley and they just walked up to us. They didn't ask for my license. They asked for anything. They just opened the car doors up and tried to pull us out the car. But they billy club. They was going to beat us up. They, uh, and lucky, my friend was also, this shit is illegal. Man, fuck that. What's your badge number? I know my fucking rights. I'm like, you going to get us killed? No. <laughs> but like, they fell back. They fell back. But they were trying to literally pull us out the car. They opened the car, but they asked for my license, who I was, nothing. They opened the car doors up. Which I, they're trying to rob somebody? Open the car doors up and try to beat us up in, in the alley. Like, that, you know. <laughs> That's just it. That was a light situation. That was, that was, that was I know, cool. Cab. Like, if you listen to the story he was just reading, though, like the way they tried to get my mans out of the car is by punching him in the face. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's real. Yeah. And they act sure like that's like a that strategy. Is. Like they're like, let's check the the book. You know, what should we do? Oh, there's the punch in the face method. Let's try that. Yeah. It's, I'm like, damn, they teach that in the academy. It's hey, yo, it's, it's like if I'm, riding with, if I'm riding with Sam in LA somewhere, I'm riding with Sam and I'm in a passenger seat, she in the driver's seat. They'll come up to the driver's door and be like, yo, like, you feel me like talking to me like, yo, you, you got any warrants? Like, is she driving the car? Like, like what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, so like, even though it's racial, cause like, it's like, I feel like it is a attack on, I'm not gonna lie, I think that it comes to the black group stereotype. They just attack black men in a way where it's like, it's no other, I can't explain it. Like they treat, and then, then they treat women a little differently, but black women got it worse out of all women when it comes to police. Blank, blank, period. So it's yeah. racial. Like, it's racial. It classes is race. is anti-blackness. That's why the police can feel like they can kill. Like, it starts from the anti-blackness. Then they start getting a little more gun hold. They feel like they can beat you up as a citizen now. You know? So it's... No doubt. That, that's and that's important. What you're saying, that, that's what people don't understand. It's like um, cops learn to be brutal because of what their job actually is vis-a-vis black folks. So they're, they're supposed to go out there and harass, abuse, and even murder black folks. And if they don't, there's gonna be pressure on them. Becoming the person who can do that, you now become someone who can brutalize anyone. Because I always say hate is wildfire. You can't manage wildfire. Mm-hmm. People think you can. Once, once you're capable of, of that kind of hate towards another human being, it's going to burn out of control. And that's why we have, you know, all the problems we have, the school shootings and, you know, all this craziness. That's exactly it. And I was going to say, like, all those attacks on black people, and this is my message to white people, that's still stochastic terrorism against you. They're showing you, look at what we can do to American citizens. Don't believe it can happen Mm -hmm. to you? 
wait until you act up. It always starts with the black folks first, but it never ends there. Never. Yeah. But we don't learn. Never learn. You want me it's to keep going? Being Sam? complicit. Yeah, please do. Sorry. Yeah, it's just a it's just a bunch of people sitting around being complicit. You know, Sasha talks about that all the time. She's like, it took a you know it took a good amount of people being complicit for the Holocaust to happen. Right. You know what I mean? And right. all you gotta do is just not say nothing long enough. And even just think about it, right? 50 years from now, people will look at all of us as monsters because we sat while millions of people were locked in cages for decades and did nothing. Right. As they should. Sam, I think it's interesting you brought the Holocaust because, like, when you think about it, it has, to me, that has a tie to, like, American Confederacy a little bit, like the South, Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, like after World War II, people was looking for Nazis for real. Like, like after World War II, after the Germans were defeated, like the, Jew- the Jewish people and like other Western powers, like where's these hardcore Nazis at? And then everybody wasn't a Nazi. You know what I mean? Like if you wasn't like a top SS or whatever like that, you wasn't a Nazi. So like at the end of the day, it's like society wasn't like, it's, it's, I think I related to like the Confederacy because it's like there was a society that was cool with black people being enslaved. Like, Millions of people that was that was cool for this shit. Then you get the state rights thing because we didn't do the like you know like not there you talk about the denazification, the confederation of America. We didn't do that here. So it's like after after the after the Civil War, we was like, yo, you was down with that confederacy type? No, I wasn't. No, I was poor and you, but no, you was poor, but you was you was okay. You like you was okay with it because you worked at the plantation, probably. You feel like you worked at the plantation as an overseer, or you worked at the plantation as like. Like a poor white that worked next to black people, but like you still can, like you still had a certain amount of power that you that you enjoy. You know, you were being exploited. You enjoyed having more. You feel me? That you can exploit these other people, so you were cool with that. You know, so it's like the denazification of like the country. Like that's what we get into social issues. It had nothing to do with the reparations. That's why it has to be tied together. Though all this has got to be brought together. Like we need our power and our wealth. Need was stolen with us, as well as the social things too. You can't just throw the social things out the window. And I find the left tends to do that a lot. So. You know, I just wanted to add on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think there has to be like a serious o- overhaul of the educational system. And oh, yeah. like, we, like, there has to be in, intensive like teaching of American history and like race in a way. Like, there has like that needs to be brought into that like I think even at an early age I know this is going against the whole CRT hysteria right now but um yeah I think that we we definitely need to have uh, like a serious change in how um the making of America is really taught and I think that a lot of times I know it might like when you know I went through school it was like such a heavy focus on like European history. And I think what kind of happened is there was a counter to like try to make us talk about world history. And really, we really needed to dig in deep on American history. Like, I think that really needs to be the focus. Like, I don't know. I think that 
for this country, there's a lot of people who are like tied up in what we consider the old world. And I think we we've we've done enough enough development as like a, a new country here that we could really talk about ourselves right now and really like try to hash this thing out like as a society, like really try to figure out what we what we did wrong in this society. And I'm just saying we because I, you know, I acknowledge myself as being a part of America. Mm -hmm. um, and we all need to really dissect this thing. Agreed. That's what I was going to say, and I totally forgot. I'll just say that I think the Black American experience is central to the American story. And it should be centered in teaching them all of American history. Because with everyone else, they have a story that came from somewhere else and they brought it with them. With us, like all of our history is baked into America as a direct, um, as a direct response to our relationship with how the law is formed and all that stuff. Like, I don't think anybody else has like a uniquely American, American story the way Black Americans do. And you learn a lot just by studying our history. I definitely yeah. agree. You learn everything. There's nothing, it, there's no part of American history that can be separated out, like the non-Black American history. It doesn't exist. I agree. I definitely think we also, like, they need to tell a story about how whiteness is developed in this country. Like, that's, that's something that really does that not get talked be, about. Yes. Preach, mud. That should be that should be a course for real. You should teach how whiteness was created, Bacon's Rebellion, slavery. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, yeah. mud. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just I was he was preaching. I got the Holy. Nah, Ghost. that's that's true. That's all I wanted to say. True. But nah, mud is absolutely right. Like, because when you understand how whiteness was created, you understand how all these racial divides started out. Then you might understand class at a certain level that we get it. Like we, because we get it. Like we know how like class struggle and because it, it it is baked into anti-blackness. Like so, you understand when people try to become white, it is a, it's a social status. Like you know, it is a social construct. It's a social status. Like you know, and it's, like if if whiteness, like the history of how whiteness came to be, was really taught properly in this country, then a lot of the issues that we have now, then I think that we you know we can really start getting to the root of those and getting them, getting them shits out of here. So. I can dig it. All right, uh, let's go back and read some more. Um, departments have increasingly instructed officers to let suspected lawbreakers drive away and find them later, avoiding the risks of potential confrontations or a high-speed pursuit. Have you ever heard of that, anyone? I'm just, I'm sorry. I won't keep interrupting myself, but I think they're saying these are like the new policies. So are they saying, I pull you over, you seem high or you don't have a, a seatbelt, I don't know what, whatever the problem. And then I let you go and find you later? Nah, it's if you try to take off. Like, do you remember the Walter, Walter Scott oh, situation down in Georgia? Go. Yeah. Yeah, if you try to take off, like rather than just murder you right here, we'll like actually do some police work and find you. Oh, okay. They, they, yeah, they don't do that in Chicago. You have the oh, guys. They don't do it anywhere, really. It's just what's recommended. 
it's the recommendations. It's the other, it's the like really nice officer manual, the police officer manual you get to see if you come to visit. And then the like real one is like, you know, wrinkled and smeared with like blood stains on it. And that's the <laughs> actual, like what you really do. You, so, okay, so departments increasingly instructed officers to let suspected lawbreakers drive away and, and Killmonger saying the context is like when they run, when don't give chase and find them later, avoiding the risks of potential confrontation or a high speed pursuit. That's a good policy. You have the guy's license plate and you know where he lives, said Scott Bieber, the chief of police in Walla Walla, Washington. You go get him in 45 minutes at his house and add a charge of eluding. But some veteran officers say the emphasis on avoiding conflict can embolden criminals. I've actually heard people say, you're not supposed to chase me. You're not supposed to pursue, said Sergeant Sanford Swanson Jr., a patrolman who is also an instructor at ProTrain, which has taught vehicle stop tactics to trainers in 38 states. Sometimes walking away can still pose dangers. A line in the sand. Genevieve Dawes, a 21-year-old mother of two, was asleep with her boyfriend in a Dodge journey outside a Dallas apartment building before dawn on January 18th, 2017. Someone had reported a suspicious vehicle in the parking lot. How often do these stories start with a Karen? And body camera footage shows six police officers surrounding the car with bright lights and raised guns. Hands up, one shouted. Video footage shows. Show your hands. Don't move. Ms. Dawes awakened, slowly backed up the SUV until a patrol car moved to block her. Then she edged forward and tried to reverse again. Shouting at her to stop, two officers fired 13 bullets through the passenger side window that passed over Ms. Dawes' Dawes's crouching boyfriend and struck her in the neck, chest, and arms. As she collapsed, an officer continued yelling, commanding her boyfriend to reach through the shattered window to open the door so that his hand stayed visible. gets away with that he shot 13 times 13 times we're really gonna let that be justified we can't let that be justified man the family is very disappointed with this ruling and i say they're doing the both and john trial what for amber geiger and we also said it for raw oliver uh they weren't able to to put the victims the deceased on trial in this case and this is what we saw happen in this case uh we heard about genovese that's all we heard about. We didn't hear anything about this officer. And the very unfortunate thing about this case, and I look back at one of the last questions that the jury asked, uh, was this officer terminated? And, and unfortunately, when we have these trials, these officers sit in with halos over their head. 
and, and jurors are left to believe that these individuals are still police officers despite their act. Whereas they're able to hear every bad thing about Genovese. And the system should not work that way. It matters, it does not matter the background of an individual. All that matters is the wrong that was committed. Dallas Police Department did not do anything against these officers until June or July. So we asked the question, what is the purpose of the body cam video? What is the purpose of it? There was just no reason whatsoever for this officer to take Genovese's life. Step out. Get on your knees, the officer Christopher Hess ordered. Walk on your knees towards me. Then, body camera footage shows, he falsely announced into his radio, they rammed the squad car twice. The officers later said they had feared the Dodge might run them down. But in a rare departure, skeptical prosecutors persuaded a grand jury to indict Officer Hess for aggravated assault. At trial, his lawyers attacked Mrs. Dawes' character. She had heroin and methamphetamines in her system. The Dodge had been stolen before she bought it, and a handgun was later found on the back floorboard. Christopher Hess, by then fired from the police force, was acquitted. Many of the fatal vehicle stops reviewed by the Times unfolded in a similar way. Officers acted as if their lives were in constant peril and killed drivers who failed to obey orders. The fear is excessive, said Grant Fredericks, an authority on the forensic analysis of dash and body camera footage and a former officer who has examined scores of police shootings at vehicle stops. The more fear officers feel, the more aggressive they become. But no degree of fright, he said, explained the approach of some officers who often threatened or used deadly force in response to mere defiance. The reaction sometimes seems to be, how dare you, Mr. Frederick said, how dare you not do what you are told to do? Officers have killed more than 5,000 civilians since September 30th, 2016. I just want to interrupt myself here to remind us that um, 60 police officers were killed, according to a report earlier in the article during that same time. So 5,000, this is like Israel-Palestine numbers. Officers have killed more than 5,000 civilians since, since September 30th, 2016, according to data on police killings collected by the Washington Post and the research groups mapping police violence and fatal encounters. Many died during felonies in progress, home invasions, domestic violence calls, or shootouts in the streets. At least 1,500 were killed by officers pull, pulling over suspected carjackers during chases or other types of vehicle stops. So maybe that's the appropriate comparison, the 1,500 versus 60. Because um, that's, I think, the number, the 60 number was cops killed at car stops. I don't remember. From that data, the Times identified the more than 400 unarmed drivers and passengers who were not under pursuit for a violent crime. All the deaths were reported by local news organizations, and a small number made national headlines. The Times examined video or audio for more than 180 of those encounters, interviewed dozens of chiefs, officers, trainers, and prosecutors, submitted scores of open records requests to obtain investigative files, and reviewed civil claims from more than 150 cases. More than 75 of the drivers were suspected of car theft, either because of registration issues or stolen vehicle reports. Nearly 60 motorists were stopped for reckless driving including many who turned out to be drunk or high. Others were pulled over for questioning about nonviolent offenses like shoplifting. The police say there is no such thing as a routine stop. The driver's behavior can turn it into a high-risk encounter, 
calling for drawn weapons and other measures. In the Times Review, motorists were often resistant or evasive. Some had been hiding illegal drugs or weapons. Others had had outstanding warrants for failing to pay a fine or missing a court date. Overwhelmingly, on the south side of Chicago, people who are pulled over have none of these things. Have none of these things. We had a, a MacArthur Award winning, the Genius Grant, that they give out every year to a few sort of exceptional people. A, 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 black, a black man, a gentleman in his 60s, who is like kind of a huge figure in, our, in the community, pulled over by the, by the police um, because he fit the description of somebody 30 to 50 years old who was suspected of a crime, like literally somebody who could have been as much as 30 years younger and just like put through all of this crap. And this happens over and over again. People who have done nothing for the for the times to, to frame this like this is just totally irresponsible. Um, they were it's not often the case that this happens most often, especially in black neighborhoods. No one's done anything. It's the police just pulling people over to do it. Among those killed, some became icons of the Black Lives Matter movement, including Dante Wright, shot in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, after being pulled over for expired registration tags, Richard Brooks, shot running from officers in a Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta, and Jordan Edwards, a 15-year-old passenger shot leaving a house party in Balsh Springs, Texas. But relatives of many others also questioned whether race played a role in their deaths. In 2017, a white officer in Kent, Washington, told investigators that he had stopped the Honda Accord in part because its young black occupants seemed afraid of him. One had a scared look on his face. Do we want to pause there or keep going? It's because they're scary. We can pause there. Yeah, can't imagine why. Of course, he's, they're scared. I've heard this before. Right? They're scaring them and then making being scared probable cause yeah at the same so, time if they kill someone saying they were scared exactly like so police are so afraid of the potential of somebody with a gun in a car but they ride around with guns in their car and they don't <laughs> expect people to be afraid of them <laughs> it's just blows my mind right well i mean like in in, in new jersey like so i live in Essex county drop from ours new jersey's east orange urban's in Nook. i'm now currently live in North but Mars, New Jersey. And like in this in this area, a big crime was stealing cars. Like, you know, kids were stealing cars. Like, I mean, like if you see New Jersey drive, it wasn't exactly like that, but like, no, like like stealing cars was like a big thing. Like kids would steal cars and enjoy riding, especially in poor neighborhoods and stuff like that. They're stealing cars a lot. And I kind of look at it like, well, in West Virginia, if it was poor white stealing cars, immediately they will ask, why are these kids stealing cars? It, it wouldn't be what we have to stop them. Like, you, it wouldn't be like, why are they still in cars? Like, we need to make a NASCAR program or something. Though. We could, you know, like, we need to, like, kind of, like, take that and kind of do something with that. But immediately it was like, yeah, these kids are still in cars. They need to be punished <laughs> immediately. You know what I mean? Like, these kids need to be punished immediately. So when black issues come up, when black criminality comes up, they never try to attack it, like, at the root issue. It's always like, we need to punish these people immediately. Yeah. Because they push it on us like it's cultural, like it's not a societal issue. Like this is not the society that has been created. Any problem in the black community that we got going on, you meet it with punishment. Not understanding, not medication, not therapy, punishment. 
that's a whole nother we we should do a whole i'm i'm gonna make a note to bring that up as a possible because you know that's a whole conversation there's this whole idea of harm reduction now which just like would blow you know ronald reagan would have had a heart attack and die which would have probably been best for us but anyway if he if you know if if people in the 80s had said well let's worry first about that that addicts are okay and then that they're housed and this is the whole way i mean that's exactly you can't get money from hud anymore to do um well first of all the the money that used to you used to get for dealing with drug addiction you now have to go through hud for and you can't do that unless you guarantee beds for people who are addicted. In other words, you can't throw people out for relapsing. The impact this has had on the south side of Chicago's, um, both our homeless shelters and our rehab clinics has been devastating. That's a whole nother conversation we can have. The policy is not only pro, like, you know, make life wonderful and comfortable for opioid addicts, but in communities that have been are still dealing with you know traditional dependency issues it it's just destroyed it's gutted what what little safety net was was left it's like a classic example of not only you know make things better for white folks but but at the expense of everybody else it's a disaster we should talk about that yeah, no, I, I would definitely love to talk about that. And, you know, they're already setting it up for them to get reparations. Well, they're already getting reparations. So, like, you know, and again, I'm not against this, right? Because, you know, these rich fucks ruined these people's families. I got four god sisters who got, you know, hooked on meth. That shit didn't happen to them through pills. But I saw what it did to their family during that time when they were on it. And a lot of people who ended up getting onto meth started from the opioids, you know? So it's just, I'm not against, you know, them being humanized. I'm not against them getting treatment. I'm not against them getting, you know, re I'm not against them getting reparations. I just, I need the, I need them to pay reparations to Black Americans who descend from chattel slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, mass incarceration, the war on drugs, like y'all owe us our bread. And once we get this reparations, y'all other groups who got caught up in this mass incarceration, y'all need to do a general suit together and get y'all some money too, because they destroyed your family and your lives as well for bullshit. Now, see, Sam, I just don't know if I can agree with you here. It's just I don't care. I like I said, I'm I'm not gonna I'm <laughs> not gonna get I'm not gonna get together and make the case and do the paperwork. But if they want to get to anybody who has listen, anybody who has a claim in this country that they feel is valid, it is up to them to put it together and take it to the government. After that, that's none of my business. That's between you and the government. The same way it's none of your business about me and my reparations check outside of you saying you for it. Outside of that. It ain't got nothing to do with you. This between me and the government. They owe me my money. That's valid. I'm gonna just be now, on the sideline saying yeah. there's some old bullshit. Just because, like, I watch every time it's us, we get criminalized, but like everybody else, they just get rolled into society. Be it organized exactly. crime, be it bootlegging, be it drugs, whatever it is, like it just gets, oh, well, now we're the fire department. Oh, now we run the music industry. Oh, now we like, mm -hmm. no, you guys are the mafia. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, now we're run the labor unions. No, 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 no. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Like you guys were just doing all the dirty stuff we were doing. That's the system. And everybody just explained. Yep. That's our entire economy. You just explained our entire economy in like seven words. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I wanted to mention how you were saying earlier um, how kids are treated, right? Black children are treated like they're older. They're 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 automatically suspect, and there's punishment. Punishment. The punishments are harsh, even in school. You know, and children need love and direction and a little structure. You know, a restructuring, more love. Mm-hmm. No, black children are getting punished, mm-hmm. kicked out, and then they end up getting into. You know, these men get into the um, um, the prison pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. It starts the school too. That's really sad. I think, especially boys. You know, it's on purpose. Yep. It is definitely on purpose. Starting with, you know, preschool expulsion, which is why is there such a thing anyway? But starting with expulsion, expulsion, it's like, I never heard of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you that. I I almost don't want to tell you to Google it. But, and and guess who is disproportionately expelled from preschool? Like, I don't even know where to begin with that. But they're tagged starting there and going forward. It's from preschool expulsion through the the extreme medications that uh, that black children will get for no reason. Like, you know, not sitting still in class and suddenly they're on antidepressants. It's all to create some kind of a trail, a paper trail that traces them to say this is this is a problem that, you know, you're going to ha- we're going to use some kind of yeah. intervention to press to prioritize who we oppress. All right, are we going to get back into this article or are we depressed yet? <laughs> we can you know we said, you know, you know, you know, you know, everybody, you know, we all said, you know, we can always save right. the rest said, for oh. another day because this is, it's a lot. Like, so How far down ahead. are we? I don't even know what, I don't know when it ends. Uh, it feels see. like it never ends. It does feel that way. Yeah, it's pretty long. <laughs> what do you got, Mud? Did you want to read more? Are we good? Where, where are we at, Mud? How you feeling? I think we, you know, we kind of get the idea. And we, we, you okay. know. You know me, I'll be with it. We really broke down the issue. And, you know, if the audience wants to read into it deeper, they, you know, we'll put the link yeah, of the article in, there, mm-hmm. in the description box and all of that good stuff. All right, then. Well, that's another one for the books. That's the last one for the for the year, y'all. Until you do right by me, everything you think about is gonna cry.
race. Adolf's need reparations to make America make great. America uh, great. Get tuned in the reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to the reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you tuned in the reset race. You'll find out who really done justice and really who we think. On the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Pennies, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redlining lynchings, we are old from this nation. You're not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG, the wise one, cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country, the win. You need our energy. Go on, see. Listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to reset race. Adolf's need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in the reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in the reset race. You'll find out who really about justice and really who we think. Uh.